0: Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date
1: information. Green Mountain Chronicles number nine, the flood of
2: 1927. The height of the water came through when... Waterbury in the night. That made it particularly horrifying, I think, for the people that were involved. They talked about a house washing down the street with people screaming out of it because they didn't know what was happening.
3: November 1927. Floodwaters raged through Vermont, killing 83 people and destroying homes, farms, businesses, and the state's transportation and communication systems. George Kidder, then an assistant professor of Greek and Latin at the University of Vermont, recalls waiting anxiously for news of his parents, who were then living in Bethel.
2: We were here in Burlington, wondering whether we should try to go down and see if they were all right, because we didn't get any word about them, of course, for a while. Eventually, there was a story in the paper that some... Boys from MIT had got into Bethel with a uh, radio broadcasting outfit. There was a little squib, a little piece in the paper, note along with other things in the paper, that they had interviewed Mother in and Bethel, and so that we knew she was all right. And it was the next day after that that there was something in the paper about Dad getting down to Bethel from Northfield. So we found out they were
1: all right. How people reacted and how uh, information flowed, uh, it's hard to put it on the today's situation.
3: Roy Buxton and his older brother were traveling from Mechanicsville, New York, to the family home in Marshfield, Vermont, as the floodwaters were rising. Stopping for the night in Burlington, the Buxtons sought news of conditions in central Vermont. Rumors of destruction abounded. The Marshfield Dam has burst, they were told. The villages of Plainfield and Marshfield are washed away. Fearing for the lives of relatives and friends, the brothers set off the next morning on an eight-hour journey from Burlington over Smuggler's Notch and on to Waterbury. Waterbury had been devastated by the flood. Finding roads impassable, the Buxtons parked their Dodge touring car on high ground and began to walk following the railroad tracks.
1: It must have been near Middlesex, that is just east of Middlesex. It was completely washed out and the rails held and most of the ties so, your hand would amount to a sort of a big ladder. And it, it dipped quite a bit, and, uh, but it was uh, at the low point, still eight or ten feet above the water. It was a little questionable whether we, those ties would all hold or not, but there were boot tracks. One at a time, we, we risked going across it and, and, and did make it, of course. We got into Mount Pinia, and it's after just getting dark. There was an earthy, damp smell, it's hard to describe and the business blocks were nearly all dark. You could see the the debris and things on, on lampposts and telephone poles and things a little bit.
3: The capital city was under martial law. No one could move about without a pass, and the brothers hadn't gone far before they encountered a National Guardsman on patrol.
1: And he stopped us and wanted to see our pass, well, we had no pass, and we'd been previously told that the way you'd get them was closed for the night. And... Uh, We recognized the fellow's voice after talking with him, and it was considerable talking, too, because we told him who we were and where we were going and what the purpose was. But he had his orders and uh, nothing doing. But eventually we went out, and he told us to get going, and we did.
3: Keeping to the high ground and avoiding the main roads, the Buxtons walked on.
1: We got home somewhere around uh, 9 o'clock. The folks had gone to bed as country folks did in those times and mother had a habit when we were out late at night and we hadn't got home that she'd put an oil lamp in the window and turn it low and uh, there was this oil lamp waiting for us and we were kind of glad to get home.
3: Roy Buxton joined his neighbors in working to clean up and rebuild Vermont after the flood but that's another story. For now, thanks to Roy Buxton and George Kidder for sharing their memories with the Green Mountain Chronicles.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org where you can find background information on these episodes as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org slash donate.